0: Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged, and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Here's what we're going to do today. We are at the series finale of the Roaring Twenties, and we've been asking very tough questions about doubt, why is God seemingly hidden? Uh, what is? How do I deal with shame, perfectionism? I feel lonely and rejected. I mean, these were were deep and personal questions. And today we got a big one. It was the number one question. In fact, there was kind of two questions lumped into one, and they were both near the top. So I was like, "Let's." This one seems to be overwhelmingly um, a, a, a top question for for you, and it was. Um, how can I still be a Christian and still struggle with the same sin? And there was also another one. Is there a sin that can never be forgiven? So here's what I want you to do right now just to get things started. And again, I love the back and forth and the comments. And and so um, just say, God has something for you. And here's what I want you to comment. Come, don't miss it. Like God wants to speak something to your soul today. Like in this comment, don't miss it. And I don't know what that's going to be, but let him speak to you. Open up your heart today to hear from him. And in fact, let's just pray that prayer right now as you're commenting. Make that your prayer, God. I know you want to speak to us. God, I know you desperately want a a relationship with us. And there might be uh, something that is blocking our relationship with you. That is that we have that relationship with you, but we also know sin separates And it might just may not be everything that you want it to be. And you want to kind of take the blinders off today, but also my heart may be a little bit hard in some areas. So God, I want to soften up before you ever speak, Jesus. The answer is yes. That's it. I don't want to miss it. And so my heart is going to soften today because I'm just going to say yes, whatever it is, speak to me. The answer is yes, before you even speak it. And I trust that you will. We pray that in Jesus name freedom. Amen. 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 All right. So let's do this. I'm going to answer four questions today. I'm going to answer four questions. The first one's this. What is sin? Not a trick question. I'm going to answer four questions. Three of them are going to kind of be teaching and then I'm going to preach. All right. I love to preach, but I need to teach some today too. So what is sin? And I'm going to wait until I see somebody comment in there. What is, is our, is sin? And it's not a trick question. Um, And let me go ahead and turn that off. Uh, Still kind of waiting. What is sin? It's kind of like a Sunday school question. I know somebody's got it. Going against God. Thanks, Rick yeah it is missing you know the actual word in um, anything that separates you from God sin is anything that pulls me away from God yeah when you look at the the Greek word for sin in the Bible that's used it's it's called like missing the mark like here's the bull'seye and we've missed the mark and so um, the in that what how does the Bible, talk about sin like what is it well there's actions things that you do so stealing lying uh, murder but there's there's all you know there God says these actions are wrong but it doesn't stop there I mean if you read the Sermon on the Mount but even in the, the, the Ten Commandments it says don't covet so he's also not just talking about actions it's also attitudes can be sinful too Jesus talks about anger. He talks about lust. This is all, this is stuff that's happening in our minds and in our hearts. Uh, but I also want to share this with you too, just just to be keep it real. And the Bible keeps it real. Sin's also fun. In, in chapter 11, it says he, talking about Moses, chose to share the oppression of God's people and instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. So sin also is fun. For a short amount of time, all right. I, I guess that's just the rebellious side. I mean, like, hey, well, it, it's fun, uh, some, some of it. But um, in the end, no, it, we'll see. It, it leads to death. Sin separates. Um, we, we know that as well that sin uh, separates. God is life, right? He is the creator, He's the founder of life. So when we choose that opposite, when we miss the mark, we're actually choosing death, and that's Romans six twenty three. You know, for the wages of sin is death. Right. Pretty pretty strong statements there. So that's what what is sin. That's question number one. Um, now I want to answer this question too. Is there a sin that can never be forgiven? Is there a sin that can never be forgiven i want to know what you think i think the short answer is yes absolutely if you're a cowboys fan i mean how else (laughs) i can hear some of you guys roaring through the comments right now but i mean how else can you explain the wrath that they feel every single year i mean come on somebody come on <laughs> all right, all right. Do this for me. Give me a shout out, your favorite football team. Um, <laughs> I, I know, Shelly. I know some of you guys are hating you're wanting to click off. Go ahead. Now's your time. Get them out. I'm a Chiefs fan. Um, I know some of you guys, you might be Raiders fans or Broncos fans. Some of you might be college football fans. Some of y'all are like, I don't root for anybody. Um, um, Go ahead, put it in the comments. You can you can let me have it. Um, now, is there a sin that can never be forgiven? And really what this is um, um, coming from, there's a few verses where uh, in scripture where it talks about this, and this is where this question comes from. So let's read this together. It says, so I tell you, this is Jesus talking. He says, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. Whew, thank goodness. Except, uh-oh, uh-oh. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man, that's Jesus, can be forgiven. But anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or the world to come. What the heck? This one is kind of one of those jolting verses where Jesus says this. And and there's a little bit of confusion here. And there may even be some disagreement here, which is totally fine. But I'm going I'm to explain how I see it and and and. In in scripture, uh, too, like is this what's this unforgivable sin? Some people would say that it's disbelief. Like we say, hey, if you wanna if you wanna spend eternity with God, if you wanna go to heaven, if you want, I mean, if you want a relationship with God, it's through through Jesus. There's no other way except through Jesus. And so some people would say Jesus is talking about like the sin of disbelief. Like you go through this entire life, God's shown up. And you're like, nope, I don't believe in Jesus and whatever. And so he would say that that would be the unforgivable sin. But um, um, that's that is one idea, but I I don't think that's what it is. And the reason is because of the context. Jesus here, he's talking directly to Pharisees. And if you look at the rest of Matthew chapter twelve, he's talking to them because he was healing people. He was he was he was doing all these amazing works. And these Pharisees came up and said, this dude worked for Satan, Belzebub. They're giving, they're like, he's giving, they're giving all the credit. They saw what Jesus did and they gave credit to Satan. I mean, this would be kind of like uh, Christmas. All right. You, you, you give the gifts to the kids. All right. But the kids are like giving credit to the in-laws. For the gift or something like, no, the in-laws did not give you that. We gave you that gift, which by the way, Christmas gift hack in our house. All right. Uh, Santa gives good gifts and mom and dad give good gifts. But our Christmas hack, uh, mom and dad always give the best gifts. All right. Santa's you're awesome, Santa. But no, we're giving, we are giving the best gifts are coming from us. Not Santa's not getting the credit on that either. Okay. So here's, here's really where I think Jesus is really kind of pinpointing. He's talking about the heart, All right, We just mentioned this earlier, but he's talking about the heart, a hard heart, a extremely hard heart, specifically somebody who has clear knowledge of who Jesus is. He's talking to these Pharisees. They knew who he was claiming to be. They saw him at work. They rejected him. And not only did they reject Jesus, but they, they gave credit to to Satan, all right? You're talking about an extremely hardened heart, and I don't know any other way to put this. I'm not trying to to be political, but all the people who are pro Trump, I'm like you're in. Like, no debate is going to switch anything. No, no convention is going to make you switch. Like, you are, you're set, right? There's absolutely no. You are so hard towards uh, voting Democrat this fall, or completely opposite. You're like, so pro Biden, anti-Trump, like it is set in stone. It doesn't matter what happens. You're set. Like that's the only way I can think about how hard the hearts are set against God in this situation. Okay. I'm just, I'm not trying to get political. Please don't get political in the comments. We will do a message on that in October, by the way. But, um, um, what I'm trying to say is hard hearts, and Jesus said, "There's no that type of hard heart set in stone against God is is not, you, there's no coming back from that. So if you're asking this question, here's the good news. Here's the good news. If you are asking that question, have I committed this unforgivable sin? You it, it goes to show right there your heart's not that hard. That that um, you're still open to hearing from God. So that's that's to me is uh, how I see God." or jesus really answering that question there's a sin that can't be forgiven it really has to deal with a hard heart um let's move on uh to number three are we guilty at birth sometimes known as original sin it's a good question and i don't have a a ton of time to to dive into this because i want to answer some of these other questions but let me show you some of the verses that um again talk about sin. In our relationship with sin, are we guilty at birth? Um, David seems to think so. He writes this. He says, I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And so he's not saying my mom conceived me in sin like she was doing something sinful. No, he's saying in the womb, um, I was born into sin. And then uh, Paul kind of echoes this, and he brings it all the way back to the beginning from with Adam. All right. And so he says here, he says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone has, has sinned. All right. And I you like here's another. You just ask any parent like you don't have to teach your kids to do wrong. You got to teach them to do right. You got to teach them to separate the two. Like they they know that now objection, objection, right? I didn't I didn't I, I when I was born I didn't do nothing. <laughs> I was helpless. I can't even talk, can't even think. I, I wasn't Adam. Like, why is all this guilt being heaped on me? Seems pretty unfair, God. And and that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable um, argument when you're like, what's what's this original sin? Why am I guilty since birth, God? That's just seems completely unfair. But Let me give you a little bit of hope, (laughs) because if that's your argument, if that's what you're going to hold on to, then like, hey, this is unfair. God's unfair. I'm not guilty since birth. If you want to hold on to that, then you don't like the gospel. If you want to hold on to that, then you don't like the good news of Jesus. Because because Paul, he goes on to say in 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 verse 17, watch this. He says, for the sin of one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Not fair, not fair, not fair. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. But greater is God's wonderful grace. Thank goodness the story doesn't end with Adam. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it, will live in it, triumph over sin and and over death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Okay? So, this whole, this whole thing, this is the gospel story. From the beginning, we screwed it up. And we've been living under this curse. God sees us as, he, he looked in advance, right? You know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, which means he looked into the future. He saw you, he saw me. He knew that we would sin. He knew that we had this sinful nature inside of us that is at war with us, and he loved you and I. And said, I'm, I've already, from the beginning, I've got it all planned out. I've mapped it out. This is how I'm going to solve the issue. So through one man, we get, we got sin entered upon us. And through one man, we all, even greater than the sin, we have victory over sin and death. Now, 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 now. Um, let me just say this. <clears throat> there are people, and you've met these people in the church world who love like to harp on this original sin type thing. They probably don't have very many friends. All right. Like to me, some people want to harp on the theology side of it, but I want to harp on the good news side of it. I mean, we need to talk about it, that we have sin. We're talking about it today, but I also want to talk about the gospel and how much God loves you. So I hope that makes sense uh, to you guys. And if you have questions, I'm open to talking about it again. People have different thoughts on this, but I just see it as very, very clear. And from the beginning. Um, that's what Scripture says. Okay, so that's uh, teaching number three. We're going to keep on trucking. I'm going to teach just a little bit here on number four, and then we are going to. I'm going to. I need to preach. I got I, I some some things that are inside me that I want to set you free today. And um, so, with this, can I be a Christian and still struggle with the same sin? Can I be a Christian and still struggle with the same sin? And I want to ask you this. I want to see what you say in the comments. What does it take for someone to be saved? Go ahead. I'll I'll wait for you to get the thumbs out. What does it take for somebody uh, to be saved? Can I be a Christian and still struggle with the same sin while you're doing that? Can I still struggle with anger? It seems like it's been there since I was a teenager. And and it came out this past week when I'm when I'm yelling at my kids, I'm lashing out at my kids at school, when I'm getting angry or frustrated at my parents. Can I can I still struggle with the same addiction to alcohol? Can I still struggle looking at pornography on Friday night when I know I don't want to and I've been trying to get rid of that but I can't seem to get rid of it? Can I still struggle? I'm still addicted to my phone. I can't get off The phone, can I still struggle with the same love for money, the lust for success? Like, it seems like every time I get a step forward, there it is. It's haunting me. Can I still be a Christian and struggle? What does it take? Scott says to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and died. Matt says trust Jesus. Thank you guys for, for, for coming in and confess. What I want to share with you the morning, this morning is Jesus plus nothing. What does it take for someone to be saved? Can I be a Christian and still struggle with the same sin? Yes. Can I still struggle um, with all these addictions? Yes. It's Jesus plus nothing. If you try to insert anything in there, You miss the gospel. In fact, that is not the gospel. And I can't preach that enough. What does it take? Jesus plus nothing. Just a relationship with Jesus. Just trusting Jesus. Now, where do we get tripped up on this, though? Because we do get tripped up on this. 1 John. Everyone who remains in Him does not sin. And everyone who sins has not seen him or know him. Now that, if I just read that just by itself in its English translation, ha, that would seem like, no, you cannot be a Christian and still struggle with sin. It's like, well, if you're, if you're sinning. But he also says this, you gotta, you got to look at context, and, and sometimes it helps to dig underneath this a little bit. And I want to share this with you too. John, this same, same book, same letter, he says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So which is it, John? Which one is it? Let's go back here because this is where English translation doesn't quite catch it. This, uh, anyone who remains in him and does not sin, everyone who sins, it is a present tense verb, which it would almost say who does not continue to sin. Everyone who continues to sin has not seen him or know him. So this idea that it's actively present within us. Okay, so he's not he's not denying that sin is within us, um, that it's there. Okay, you're you're still going to struggle. We saw that with Paul. You saw that anxiety with him um, earlier in Romans chapter seven. On hey, I know what I want to do, but I don't do what I want to do. It's a principle of life. Okay, so breathe. All right, it makes you human. Do we want to continue in it? No, and that's what John's pointing out. You don't want to continue in this. All right, the churchy word. The churchy word is called sanctification, which is a definition would be a progressive work of God. Like this is a process of God making us more free from sin and making us more like Jesus. And that's part of the job of the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit living in us, working on us in these things. Now, I've also known people, and you probably have met people, who they will harp on this and say, well, The Holy Spirit's supposed to convict you of sin. You have sin in your life. You you don't seem to be making any changes. I don't even think you're a Christian. And you start getting Christians that are like lobbing grenades on one another here. And it's it's a pretty disgusting process. And in fact, many of us have walked away from church because, hey, I might be struggling with something. I might be working through. But then you got labeled. You got judged. It's like, wait a minute. I'm still working. Now, so. Here's what I want to say, and I, I'll give a lot of grace to people here because we'll lob these grenades all over the place and never look at our own, by the way. But I might, when, when I'm saved, when I got saved, I got a lot of issues. And those issues didn't go away. In fact, they're all still there. In fact, they might even be growing in that time. And God working on my heart in this sanctification process this process, this journey, I might be like working on one of 50 issues that God has for me. In fact, he's like, you know what? We're not even gonna worry about the 49 others. Let's just work on this one right now. So can we as a church just show grace to one another? I, you know, I may see your flaws, you may see my flaws, but God may not be working on that area of my life right now. And by the way, God can work a whole lot faster than you can with your mouth and your judgment. So it would be better to pray for that person, to love that person, to uh, don't, don't condone sin and be like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm not talking you to betray your conscience or anything, but I'm not going to lob grenades at people. I'm going to walk alongside them and realize I'm, I show a lot of grace in this area. Where a lot of people want to push me as a pastor and say, "No, you need to condemn this, condemn this, condemn this, condemn this, condemn this." Mm, I'm not so sure. Exact, uh, you know, each 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 case, each person is a is a different scenario, and I'm going to really trust God that God's working on them, and they may be working on step one or step two, and not on they're not ready for step forty three yet. But you've known that person in the church, and again, they probably don't have that many friends. Um, all right. Here's what I want to preach. Oh my goodness. And we got to get this done. <laughs> Let's do this. I want to show you some verses. I'm going to read some and then and then we'll go on because I could go on and on and on and on. Um, here's the question I want to ask. What is something that you wear that defies all fashion sense? What is something that you wear that defies all fashion sense? <laughs> in Los Alamos, and I'm gonna admit right here, if you were to catch me like taking out the trash on a Thursday morning, all right? Socks and sandals. And in fact, I take it up a level. It's usually black socks and sandals. Anybody with me? What do you wear that, is, um, that defies all fashion sense? Crocs. I wear Crocs too, man. I, I like it's bad. It's real. It's it's uh it's real bad. Don't rush me, Stephen. I will I will go longer. In fact, I do that every week. Let's do this. I got so much to say, but I'm gonna let I'm gonna let God. I'm gonna I'm gonna let Paul say it in in these verses. Ha! Right here. It's like our fashion sense, our sins. Sometimes we're wearing stuff that that we shouldn't be wearing. He says, "Put to death the sinful, earthly things working within you. have They have nothing to to have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping things of the world. Now, no, no, no." no. He says, take those things off, put them to death. Notice that strong language. And some of us, we, we kind of like these things. It's like a it's like a why do I wear black socks and sandals? Because it's comfortable. Anything that you're wearing, those Crocs, the fanny pack, it's functional. It's 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 comfortable. I kind of like wearing that that angry sweater. It's You know, it, it feels so nice. Like I just kind of used it. Like I've had it for so long. A part of me, that gossip or that that worry that I just, I love to hold on to these things. I don't want to let it go. And he says, put it to death. I think for for, that's some, I don't want this. Daily, I have to put this thing to death. This stuff will mess you up. There was a, a woman in, in Florida, this is back in 2011, you can, you can Google it. She had a doggy door, but she had it for her cats. In, in this little doggy door, she would let the, the cats in and out, in and out, in and out, until one day she came home and she saw blood all around. And she opened up her bathroom and she screamed because there was a seven-foot alligator that had come through the doggy door and had spent all day chasing her cats around the house. Paul says, put these things to death. Yeah, imagine that coming in. Listen, you don't get to choose what comes through the doggy door when you when you play around with sin. That that those cats were bait for that alligator. And Satan, he don't mess around. Your little pet sin that you're playing around with, that you think, eh, it's it's not that bad. It's not really hurting anyone. You don't get to choose what comes in next. I mean, can I just be, can I be real with you guys today? As, as we can I, can I be real? Because I, I don't want to, I don't own a church that's, that's fake. All right. And then like we will self-medicate right now for a lot of us, we're stressed and I don't want to put off my anger. I don't want to put off these things. So I'll just escape. And so these, you know, I, I'll, I'll binge watch or I'll do this or I'll, I just, I just need to escape rather than put it off. I don't want to put it off. I just, I don't want to deal with me. So, you know, I only got drunk once this month. I mean, Mike, is quarantine. All right. It's really stressful. I mean, well, okay. It was only once this past week. I just, I, twice I got wasted this past, you know, it, it's, it's just this little cute sin. I hope I, I hope I can be real with you guys here. I saw, um, I, I've counseled with people. Oh, it's just a cute little dating relationship in high school. You know, You know, it's just teenagers and all this sort of stuff. And I've counseled with men in their 30s who are married and they're struggling because they're having fantasies about their high school girlfriend. And it's it's ripping us apart. You don't get to choose what comes in the door, the doggy door, these little pet sins. All he wants is a little sliver of separation to get you off plan, off purpose, and he wants to wreck your life. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. These things will lead us to to depression. These things will lead us to suicide. These things split families, and you know this. And we all say, well, it's not me, it's not me, it's not me. He says, put it to death daily. He goes on, he goes on, and he says this. He says, you used to do these things, all right? So that's good hope right there. You used to do these things. Now you're in the church, he says, but now, go ahead and put that in the comments. Now, now, I don't have a hard heart, God. Remember, I prayed earlier and said the answer is yes. Before you ever say anything, Jesus, the answer is yes. But now's the time to get rid of anger. It doesn't look good on you. You're you're wearing black socks and sandals around. Rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other for you have stripped off. Take off that, those crocks, that fanny pack, your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, but you must put on these new clothes. God, he's given you new things to put on, to be renewed. There's that journey as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Sanctification i'm I'm convinced that a lot of us let me go ahead my my camera froze. There we are. we'll do it like this. I'm convinced that a lot of us right now we want to go back to normal because quarantine has revealed a little bit too much of us i don't I don't like what I see I just I would just I would rather go back to normal so I I can kind of be distracted from from me and none of this is to shame any of us Jesus saying hey become more like me I got other clothes I got better clothes for you to wear I w- it would be easier here's why we don't do this it'd be easier for us to escape than it would for us to grow up. I would rather not put off put to death these things. I kind of like them. They're kind of comfortable. They kind of come in handy sometimes. But you don't get to choose what comes in through that through that doggy door on the other side. And he may be setting you up for something 10 years down the road from now that you that you don't know. And that's why Paul is so strong in this. This is a battle for your soul. You're saved. That's it. It's taken care of, but you have purpose beyond this. And he's saying, put them to death. Grow up. It is hard to change. It is hard to grow. But it is better. Always better. So he says, put on this new nature in this new life. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. It doesn't matter what you've done. Christ is all that matters. And he lives in us. Let me tell you, here's the thing. This is a long game. This is a process. Here's who I am. Here's where I want to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to keep running this thing. Don't give up today. Jesus is with you. Put on Jesus one step at a time. Satan doesn't want you to know this message today of hope. He doesn't want you to know that you're forgiven. If you're struggling with, oh, am I forgiven? You're not going to be on your purpose. No, you're forgiven. Move forward. You take two steps forward, one step back. That's still forward progress. And I want you to know today that Jesus is right there with you, not condemning you. He's saying, no, I got better clothes for you. I got a whole new wardrobe for you. And I want to journey this thing with you. Even when I'm surrounded And I don't know what to do. I'm surrounded. Jesus is surrounding them. He's got this whole thing worked out. And so here's the the question. Here's the final question. Because this is what it really boils down to. Do I want to get better? Am I willing to get better? That's really what it boils down to. Because you can hear this message. That's great. That's what I want. But that heart is so hard right now. What's he saying to you right now? Am I willing to get better? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray. Take this moment and let's pray together. Just in this moment, I don't know if you're at a host home right now with other people, but I'm just going to ask you to take this moment. And if if things are crazy right now and there's a distraction, then find this moment later. Be real prayerful. Focus on God and say, just take a moment. Say, God, what do I need to put to death? Is there something that needs to be put to death in me? Is there an attitude? an addiction, a pet sin, a secret? Do I have no margin in my life financially or in time or in relationships? Is is there selfishness in me that needs to be put to death? Just be silent before God and let Him speak to you in this moment. See, God chose you because he loves you put on jesus you are chosen his child he's with you he's for you and jesus always wins he's conquered death who's gonna save me the answer is jesus thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week i hope you felt inspired